Hello, welcome to this evening's County Road Bobblers podcast. It's myself, Witch, and I'm uh, joined by two very special guests and friends of the Bobblers. Um, firstly, making his, uh, his comeback, um, but he's been a, a couple of uh, episodes, is Jeff uh, Walner um, from the Cincinnati Toffees. Uh, Jeff, welcome back, mate. It's been a bit of a long time, actually, now, isn't it? Yeah, thanks for having me. This is always one of my favorite podcasts to listen to and also to join. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the invite. <laughs> Anytime, Jeff. It's a pleasure to have you. And I'll make it as debut today. Must be be long overdue. This one is uh, is Helga as well. Um, obviously, a good friend of mine. We we speak often. I think it's fair to say Helga, if not daily. Um, but uh, it's good to finally have you on the podcast. Um, Jeff has given us introduction before on, 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 on the podcasts, but Helga, um, just for anyone that, I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone doesn't know you for starters, but <laughs> it, just in case anyone doesn't know the uh, the illustrious Helga that's, uh, that's well regarded, um, and uh, yeah, you, you've been around on that European scene for many years, haven't you, Helga, and gone to, to God knows how many games. Yeah, I've been the chairman for the Norwegian Supporters Club in, for the last 15 plus years or so. Um, yeah, going over regularly, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, just recently uh, became uh, more interested in the extended Everton family throughout Norway and Europe and stuff like that. So, yeah, fantastic. Elgan, and just for anyone who doesn't know, obviously, the Norwegian um following is, is huge, isn't it? I think it's fair to say many years now. Um, how long's the um, Norwegian Evertonians been going for now, and and you know uh, how many members are you, are you currently at? Um, the supporters club was founded in 1986, um, and we've got somewhere between uh, 650 and 700 members each year. Fabulous, fantastic! So well, I was only born. In, yeah, I was only born in '84, so I was two, and the the Norwegian softies were already formed and, and out there getting over to the game. Um, so it's a, it's a huge following, isn't it? And I think just for anyone that doesn't know as well, obviously you're you're kind of the chair of the kind of um, European elements of, of the supporter groups. Um, obviously, the fans forum link in and have linked in with the with certainly for a couple of years I've been on it. Uh, we probably speak to a lot of the European chairs, don't we, on a on a daily, weekly basis? Um, you know, yeah. right across that kind of Everton family across Europe. Uh, so it's, it's for anyone that doesn't know, um, you know, and uh, you know, and I think it's fair to say it's a very well connected and 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 a loved network, isn't it? We have a good laugh on there. There's a lot of good, you know, people from from interesting parts of Europe uh, that all are all very proactive and and come over to go to the game. Yeah, we are, and uh, and uh, as we go on, I mean, the, 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 I feel like every 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 week the, the European groups got got get tighter and tighter together. Only last last night we had a meeting with the to establish a European supporters club committee. Well, not the European, only European, because it was from people from Dubai and and, and all sorts of places. So, so uh, yeah, the Everton fans are getting more and more connected with each other as well, which is a hugely positive thing. Great, uh, Helix, and you know I think um, obviously Je- Jeff and I know that the uh, the North American Toffees, obviously very well connected online. Uh, you know you see a lot lot, lot going on there. Obviously, had the tour in the states uh, the last couple of years now, and obviously, you know the big. Um, so I think it's the, the, yeah, it's certainly been there for many years, but it's it seems to be more engaged than ever from from what I can see as an outsider looking in. Yeah, as we know, the Everton fan base is uh, is is the best connected in world football. Um, when you look at just how um, how large the fan base is, how connected we are on social media, how coordinated all the efforts are in the various countries, and. Uh, um, you know, we have a local supporters group here, the Cincinnati Toffees, that uh, was founded in 2013, continues to grow. Um, the North American supporters groups, I believe, are now up to uh, roughly, I believe it's maybe about 53. Um, and then, of course, the preseason tours, uh, you, you can kind of, you see, you get a chance to see that firsthand. You see these people that travel in um, to uh, Orlando, to Baltimore, to Minnesota. Uh, from all parts of the country. And then, of course, this year, we were fortunate enough to have uh, a lot of uh, our friends from Liverpool come over as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Uh, I'm continually amazed when I see how connected this fan base is. 
and how global this fan base is. And it's good to see that the club is now working very hard to support that. Uh, we're working hard to support that as a forum. Um, and then in Europe, as Helga said, in North America. So uh, we expect that just to continue. Fantastic, Jeff. And um, obviously, we mentioned the forum. Obviously, I'm vice chair on, on Everton Fans Forum. Uh, Jeff has, has uh, been elected this year for your first uh, year of, of uh, three year term. Um, I'm so, a rookie. I'm a rookie. It's getting yeah. my getting, getting my feet wet. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing a lot of experience, Jeff. And but obviously, this is a podcast you won't be able to see. Um, Jeff and, and Helga's smiling faces, but uh, Jeff's wearing a Swedish toffees uh, top there as well. Uh, so you know that no matter where you are across the world, you know that the family's kind of connected there. And I believe you had a real good time, didn't you, bumping into the uh, the Norwegian toffees annual AGM and, and and some of the European groups, Jeff. Yeah, it did. I got to meet uh, Helga for the first time um, and got to meet so many members of uh, the Norwegian group, of the Swedish group. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't know that ahead of time that they were all going to be there. It just kind of happened. And uh, uh, we went to the, uh, um, to the Joe Royal events. Uh, we were at an event at, uh, at the, uh, at the beer keller. Um, there was a lot going on and uh, Helga did a great job helping coordinate a lot of that. And it was really, really cool meeting uh, those groups, and uh, of course, coming away with uh, with scarves, shirts. <laughs> you know, I, I went home with a lot of a lot of stuff from Norway and Sweden. It was uh, it was really cool, but uh, yeah, and also got a lot of insight to how, like I said before, how well connected those groups are, and how how fast that those groups are growing, uh, and the fact that they all kind of showed up at you know in Liverpool that weekend, and it was uh, it was a great time, great time. Fantastic, and there's, I'm sure there's a lot of beers that we drank as well, just in the background. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a there was a late night. There was a late night at the Winslow prior to the match, and I I just I tried to make my escape a few times, knowing that the you know tomorrow was match day, and I'm trying to like make sure I'm fresh for the match. And uh, it was the it was the Wolves match, and uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you don't get you know you can't you can't you can't escape uh, the Winslow too easy some nights, you know. So they, yeah. they were literally they were literally putting the tables up. They were putting the tables up, and I'm sitting there with Joe and Donna O'Reilly and Helga. You, I think I believe you were still there. There was a, f- a few people yeah. still there, and the, and the drinks were continuing to come. <laughs> like who's serving us? They're, clo- they're, clo- they're closing down, you know. <laughs> but it was. Uh, it was so it's kind fun. of become a tradition that we stay in behind after closing hours as well. So it's been yeah. well, once it was. I think it was six o'clock when we left there. So. Yeah, <laughs> well, the best, great the best, Joan, great Joan. The best part of that night was uh, I ended up sat at a table with Joe Royal and his wife, and I'm yeah. just sitting there having a conversation with Joe Royal, and I'm thinking, what what kind of parallel universe did I just? Now, how am I sitting here just two feet from an absolute Everton legend? And uh, he couldn't have been more of a gentleman, you know, shared pints with with Joe, his wife. Uh, was just uh, just an incredibly sweet person, and it was just it was just the coolest experience to kind of just be sitting at a table with with Joe Royal and his wife, and uh, yeah, that was that was really really cool. Uh, and then just just to even top that, you were next to two two bigger legends, Helga and, and Joe Riley from from the Irish Toffees. They <laughs> um, <laughs> must have been starstruck. I, I, we, we, um, mustn't, we mustn't forget, but we also had Anders Limpa. Ah, yes, what a player! What a player! We did. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so, so and, uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic night, and Snods was there, and mm-hmm. and Darren as well. So it was a yeah, it was a I, good night. I Darren, remember going Darren. going to the bar to get a to get a grab a pint, and when we first walked in, and I turned around and I looked at the table, and there's Joe Royals sitting at our table, and his wife's at our table, and um, and I looked at Joe O'Reilly, and it's like, can I? can I sit down? He's like, you're at the VIP table, mate. So (laughs) I'm like, all right. So I sat down and then I'm thinking, now, what do I say to, what do I say to Joe Royal? Like, how do I hope, you know? So I think I called him Mr. Royal and I got a lot of, I got a lot of crap for calling him Mr. Royal. (laughs) I think what what am I, am I supposed to just say, Hey Joe, you know, but uh, yeah, he could, couldn't have been nicer, but uh, yeah, it was, it was almost surreal. So it was very, very cool. Fantastic. Um, and I believe Joe Rose still obviously actively involved in football as well. You know, obviously David Unsworth has, has just gone to, to Oldham. Um, I 
I was at Oldham for a little bit when I was a, a young lad. Um, I, I went to Southport for a bit playing football, and then I was uh, on trial at Oldham, spent a 12 months there up and down. Um, and I was uh, in 17, 18-ish, I think it was at the time. Um, a lot, lot lighter than I am today. Uh, but I believe, I believe, obviously, Oldham fell down the football spectrum somewhat, but I believe uh, Joe Royal was involved in the appointment of, of Unsworth. Interestingly, um, he was consultant uh, Oldham FC as well, and, and has been part of their recruitment process of bringing Unsworth. So it'll be an interesting watch. Obviously, um, I think uh, I think Unsworth was looking probably for, for the job that suited him. Um, and yeah, no fair dues. He's gone to to pretty much the the, the back end of the football spectrum, probably in the division. Um, you know, in in, in the country. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does there. Uh, I think Oldham are sitting below mid-table. Wrexham spending a lot of money. Obviously, uh, Ryan Reynolds and, and that whole thing that's going on at the moment. Uh, fascinating watch. So, yeah, he might be fighting against the tide this season. But it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in the next couple of years. Um, so, I think Wrexham is sitting a, second right now. Yes, Rex they are. Right yeah. 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 Chesterfield? Been, is that who's top? Yeah, they're okay. top, yeah. Have you been watching the documentary at all? The... Um, the Wrexham documentary. Fantastic I, I have. I've I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh um they kind of they kind of dumb it down for people who aren't as I guess knowledgeable about English football, um, which is interesting. But uh but yeah, it's been pretty good. Helga, have you watched that? No, I haven't I haven't got to see it yet. Uh it's on my list, but uh it's been busy times, but uh it's definitely on my list because uh several people have told me that I have to watch it, so yeah, we'll be on it very soon. Make sure you do. It is it is a good watch. Um, so moving on, more importantly, to the uh, the Blue Boys, um, we are on the rise. It's nice to see us actually get a win. Um, I was sitting here a couple of weeks ago saying that look, put the hard work in, follow the instructions, and the results will follow the performance. Uh, I think you know we, we we've 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 seen a, probably a different Everton side. Uh, you know certainly this season already. Um, and it was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, so, um, West Ham, I'll start with yourself, Helgs. What were your, your thoughts on that game? Um, were, you, were you going into it expecting a win, uh, hoping for a win? Uh, and did they actually, you know, outdo the performance you expected? Obviously, David Moyes, West Ham, obviously, uh, quite often a difficult team to beat. Well, obviously, it's a it's a David Moyes team, so it's going to be hard to break down. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of expect us to go, go get a result there because... Uh, I think we've been playing well recently, uh, even though the results hasn't gone our way. Uh, I think we've, we've played really well, and uh, we've got some players who are really starting to, to stand out now. And, uh, and uh, with Ghana back in the midfield as well, uh, I was confident that we we're going to get the three points. Fantastic. Yeah, I think Ghana obviously was a huge factor there. And 17, um, I think, um, 17 interceptions uh, or ball recoveries, I think he ended up on there. Jeff, um, were you surprised by that? Was it, you know, is it is it the same old Ghana? Do you think maybe we're seeing maybe a better Ghana, more experienced Ghana come back to Everton? I think the experience shows. Uh, he he obviously still has the pace physically. He's he 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 looks like the same. He looks like the same footballer that that I remember. Um, you know, it's it's only it's been just a just a few years, but uh, uh, but he looked good, and it, you know you you watch you watch them even in the first half and you it's just it's just nice to feel like in this transfer window that we made sound not just sound financial decisions sound football decisions in the guys that we brought in we brought in guys who are experienced we brought in guys who are hungry we brought in guys who uh, have a lot of uh, premier league experience and you just watch the shift that Tarkowski puts in, the leadership that that he and Cody show, Ghana, Onana, who's new to the league, and and you would expect some rust, uh, is seems to be kind of getting his feet underneath him. Um, it's just been it, it's really good to watch that, uh, and and Malpe, of course. Um, it's just we we made sound decisions with the players that we brought in, the way they're meshing with the group. And, and what each of them are bringing, especially from a leadership standpoint, and they're making the guys around them better. They're making Michalink, Michalinko better and Patterson better. Um, 
so, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves. It's very, it's very early in the season, but you, this is the team you can see continuing to gel, continuing to improve as, uh, as these players kind of incorporate themselves into the squad. So. I think you, you obviously the point that you made around the leadership, um, you know, yeah. I think uh, last season that was a, for anyone that was watching us would, you know, uh, would say that that was missing. Obviously we did have Seamus Coleman, um, but he did seem to be a bit of a lone voice uh, when he wasn't on the pitch. We did seem to be lacking a bit. Um, do you think now, Alex, uh, uh, Bill, not on, on Jeff's point there, that essentially what we've done is we, we've brought, you know, some strong leaders into that side. So maybe the likes of Patterson and Mikalenko can just concentrate on their game and Nawobi, because you know, you've got that kind of strong spine of leadership there now on the side. Yeah. I think we have, and, uh, and also the best point for me to make there is, is the is the Leeds game, when Anthony Gordon was clashing heads with the that Danish guy. The next thing you see, you see Tarkovsky and Cody have a race on being the first man on the scene. You know, that's everything we missed last season in that situation. You know, it's <clears> it's uh, it's um, they've been absolutely outstanding, and uh, and uh, I think together they are playing really well as well. So so uh, I think it's it's all that we've been missing. The County yeah. Road bushwhackers, as as I've coined them the other day, um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> they charge together and never apart. Um, yeah. But you, you're almost our tag team by the pair of them. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it it is interesting. Back in the day, I used to play centre half, and um, it was good to strike a partnership up with someone you were playing at the back with. You know, and I think um, Everton too often have had a, a back line where it's different every week. You know, whether that's a full-back getting injured, just, you know, get a centre-half, a left-back, Luca Dean used to pick up a few knocks, get a, you know, a few suspensions. And almost every single week, there'd be a different back line. Um, now, I mean, I don't want to speak too soon, but Patterson, obviously there, there may be a couple of issues tonight. We'll, we'll see how that um, unfolds. It's nice to actually see a bit of a settled partnership there. And I, I mean, I say things happen for a reason, but obviously, you know, it shouldn't mean to be fit and Holgate and Godfrey. Maybe we might not have seen this back four as it is now, but it seems Jeff to be working, doesn't it? It seems to to be pretty compact, and and, and it, the chemistry is really good. Yeah, it, it does. And you know, kind of just speaking real quick on the leadership thing again. There was a moment in the uh, in the derby where, right after the the decision was made. Uh, to to wave off Cody's goal for the on the offsides, that you didn't see he, immediately as soon as the decision was made. Immediately he's in his teammates' ears. He's clapping. Stay in the match. Like you know, keep doing what we're doing. There was no you know. We've seen so much adversity as Evertonians. We're used to it. We're used to decisions not going our way, and you can almost see. In recent years, the the shoulders kind of slump and the heads go down. Cody immediately is, that's okay. It's over. Forget about it. Let's go. Let's keep playing. Let's keep doing what we're doing. It it really just stood out for me. Um, Tactically, of course, they're they're experienced footballers who make the right decisions. Uh, They communicate so well to each other. And, and, and that moment just stands out to me because of his, not just leadership, but communication there immediately as soon as that went up. And I think he knew how that was going to go. Um, but immediately he said, all right, it's over. Let's go. And they were able to, you know, finish up that match and grab a point. But yeah, just uh, those guys really stand out right now. It, it's huge, isn't it? You know, belief and momentum. Um, you know, and that leadership element is, is huge. Um, you know, and I, I used to do this all the time. The captain's on band, you know, he scored a goal, we say, right, nil nil, we start again. Don't get carried away with the goal. You know, it's, you know, it's it, to, to, to have people on the pitch actually that, that, that can install that belief. Uh, in any job, you, you you know, I think even if you're a, a manager or you're not, you, you like to have people on the shop floor that, that, carry the same principles as you, you know, in, you know, drive the beliefs that you have, role model, you know, the expectations. Um, and I heard Awobi say that um, Cody and Tarkowski, um, you know, that they're, they're almost like fathers off the pitch. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of advice they're given to people. Obviously, I think Cody was 
was taking away the England squad simply for his leadership skills. Um, and he wants to run around the dressing room. And and me as an, an outsider at the time looking in, I'm thinking, you know, don't really like Cody. You can't really see the, see the point in that. Um, but now, now that we've got him, it's quite clear what he brings. You know, I think it really is quite clear what he brings. And, you know, I'm glad he's ours. It always, almost reminds me of Gareth Barry when we brought Gareth Barry in. You know, I really didn't see the, the fantastic player he was until he was wearing royal blue and all of a sudden became very apparent. Um, it, it can't be understated, can it, Helga? And, and, and obviously, these players, you know, Mope, um, Cody, Tarkowski, uh, the players that have, have been available or, or certainly um, fit for most of the seasons, for the last couple of seasons, uh, and we've had too many that are injured or not ready to play, or you know, it, you know, is it, it, is it refreshing to see people that are Premier League ready and, and ready to go for war? Yeah, yeah, it is, and, and a lot of the signings we made this summer wasn't the the big, you know, sexy signings that we all wanted, but it's still proven to be rock solid signings. I mean, the, a lot of them, as you say, with, with Premier League experience, can go straight into the league without any any adaption. So, so yeah. I think it's been a massive factor, uh, and it's very. I'm very delighted to see people who, who who can play a few games without getting injured every second game. And of course, a big thing as well as as you with any honest hard work inside, you need a bit of a. You know, you do need players that can create. You know, players that can can be the difference. A bit of je ne sais quoi. Uh, they can can do the extra little bit. And we've seen a, an Alex Awobi look like a you know a. A gift from God this season, and probably the back end of last season, Jeff. Um, did you expect it? I think many, 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 you know, many even in their wildest imaginations. I was certainly in the camp that the back an Everton player, and as long as he's an Everton player, and hope that he comes good. Uh, I wasn't one of these probably jumping on his back, uh, but it surprised me. I've got to say, Jeff, were you, were you surprised? Are you, you're happy to see it, and what's behind uh, the recovery of Alex Awobi? Yeah, I had a. It's it's funny because when we when we first signed him, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who's uh, who's an Arsenal fan, and we talked about uh, how he didn't feel like um, you know the fans liked him. They didn't feel like he um, got an oper- enough of an opportunity, and then when he did, uh, the quality just wasn't there. But he wasn't really um, he he just never was able to kind of reach the potential that maybe they they thought he would and you know they said well he's he's he should work out at, at Everton you've got a, a player who's still have a good football age um and there's still a high ceiling there and it, it's interesting how it, how players peak at different times some guys peak early some guys peak too soon some guys peak very late and it's so hard to predict and of course so much of it has to be you're in the right situation with the personnel around you. You're with the right manager. You're in the right system. Um, it's probably a combination for him because I thought he showed some glimpses last year, either uh, even under our our our, our initial manager, um, and then late in the season, uh, you saw the quality there, and it's just kind of it's just carried over into this year confidence as we know football is so much about confidence and right now his confidence is through the roof and you see what he's doing with the ball he believes he can do anything right now and when a football player believes he can do anything he he might might do it um so he has he has the support of the manager uh the players around him and he feels really really good right now and um we'll see how long he can he can keep it up, but uh, it's it's been amazing. It's been amazing to watch, and I think his teammates are feeding off him as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, and it, like you say, confidence is everything. Um, also, it was almost like a scene of the Norwegian Toffees um, annual tour when I seen them dance moves um, getting performed <laughs> in, in, in the dressing room. Um, Helga's certainly thrown a few few of them shapes himself. Uh, that's what you want to see, isn't it, Helga? You know, as a footy fan. You know, you want to see the, the honest hard work and stuff, but you want to see a bit of fun as well. You know, you know that's what we like to be entertained, don't we? And is it refreshing to start seeing some of that now, the, the, the gel that the players have got, the connection and, and a bit of bit of arrogance maybe coming out as well, which is good. You know, people are starting to, to, to start to believe in themselves again. 
yeah uh, arrogance comes from from self confidence so so in my eyes it's it's a good sign uh, in terms of alex Obi, i think it's also got it has to do with the the chemistry with the manager i think they they two get along very well and 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 frank uh, shows him in, in, in the the uh, oh what's the word I'm looking for here, but he, he shows him the uh, the uh, gives him the the uh, the starts every now and then and uh, every week. So so he just grow into that position and he, he takes on Frank's system immediately. Immediately, and his his work rate is off the charts. Really is. I mean, Richarlison was often uh, well regarded for his his def- defensive work as well, but I think this year Ebobi has taken over a lot of that. So he's he's been fantastic. Thank you. And the fitness helps. You've, you've you've been committed to it, doing all the steps, haven't you? And the uh, the treadmill. Uh, but uh, I think you put about <laughs> as much as a Wobi in the last twelve months. But uh, yeah, you know, you're true. Yeah, I think. But you know, Frank does. He empowers the players. You know, to to be the best version of themselves. I think you know he he's. If you look at Mason Holgate, I know Holgate obviously unfortunately picked an injury up, and you know he he was a, a player probably maligned at times by some Blues, but you know he went back to basics. You know he you know he defended. He he was in the right position at the right yeah. time. He wasn't trying trying to do too much. And, and football is a simple old game. You know it, you know if if you don't overcomplicate things and you you maybe do things right and. I, Again, you know, I think over the years we've had a bit of a scattergun approach to recruitment. I'm not sure if you agree, but it does feel like every window we stumble into it and there's a new manager or a different director of football. This window just felt to me that that we had a bit of continuity and and a bit of direction. Uh, And maybe, you know, Farad Mashiri maybe have learned some of them lessons and stepped off a little bit, you know, and let let Felwell and and Frank get on with it. Uh, You know, and I think we can see some of that on the pitch now. Um, and, and I also feel you can see the players believing in, in, in Frank and his, his his visions. You know, they didn't believe in, in the last manager and his visions. That was obvious because you could see players arguing on the pitch because they didn't understand where it, where where it was supposed to be. You know, so a, a lot of it is there as well. I think definitely. I think it's fair to say there's something about Frank Lampard, isn't there, yeah. Jeff? There's just something about him, and you can't quite put your finger on it, but there's something about him. Yeah, it's you know we've we've had some we've had some managers recently who have said all the right things and and of course we we hang on every word that our that our managers say um, each week and after matches um, but this this feels it feels different. There's there's a calmness about him. There's a confidence about him. Um, there's there's a spirit about him, and I think it all that all kind of that 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 reflects you know on the players and it reflects on on their performance as Helga said um you know they've got he's got their confidence and they have they have his um but you know I think it's also about it's 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 about the way that he's he's got getting improvement out of the out of the current squad uh in guys like a Wobie of course, uh, but also the guys they brought in. And as you mentioned, I think, you know, I, there was a lot of knee-jerk reaction and there always is, especially on social media. But I think, you know, early on in the summer, uh, you know, I, I was of the mindset that there's no way that after last season that there weren't changes. You know, we were, we were close to being 90 minutes from, from absolute financial disaster. Right. And there's no way you go through that and and not decide that, hey, what we've been doing isn't working. Something has to change. And it took a while for signs of that to kind of emerge. But then you started to see the players that they started to bring in and you started to see kind of a pattern develop. And then you started to feel like you could almost see from the outside looking in that communication between Thelwell and Lampard in terms of the type of player they wanted to bring in, the type of player Frank wanted wanted to bring in, and the commitment uh, from the club to uh, uh, to make that happen. And and then at the end of the day, uh, you feel good about uh, about the pieces that they, they kind of put together, and and we're seeing it on the pitch. Now, again, a long season, but. You feel like if this club stays healthy, this is a club that's just going to continue to to improve and get better. And the best part is we just feel like we have stability, right? And it's been a long time since we felt like 
we felt comfortable with anything. And it's not that it's perfect, um, but um, it just it just it just feels good at the moment. Good points, Jeff. And you're quite right. You know, it's not going to change overnight. Football just doesn't work like that. You know, you're not going to click your fingers and, and all of a sudden we're going to be back to being a, a side pushing on for Champions League. I think patience is, is going to be really important in this process. Um, patience from from Farhad Mashiri, you know, who too often maybe have, have jumped the gun or, or managers or directors of football. Quite often that's probably down to, to making the wrong decision in the first place. But like you say, for once, we, we've probably got a manager there that's connected with the fan base. You know, you've seen the unity towards the end of last season. That's seeped into this season, that belief. You know, Chelsea, you've seen the players clapped off after the draw. You know, there's, uh, sorry, just after the defeat. Uh, you see, you know, you've seen a certain level there of, of belief in that side. And, and, and you know, it, I was on the Toffee TV podcast chatting to Steve Kelly before, said quite similar, you know, that Steve said, uh, you know, we're, we're not too hard to please those Evertonians, you know. I think if you, you know, and I think he's quite right in what he said. You know, I think if you, if you show that you're prepared to go to war for us, if you, if you come off the pitch given everything that you've got, you know, I think that you know we're prepared to to, to trust in that process. And I think that Frank has started to to install a certain level of belief um, back to us, and that's despite of some of the media narratives um, that that you may have seen and. You know, out there, you know, I think um, Frank is always getting a hard time from the media. You know, it's always Frank Lampard this, Frank Lampard that. You know, he's creeping up the charts and the, the next to be sacked. And I don't think that was ever going to be the case. Uh, Gerard's getting a bit of a free ride. Uh, you know, obviously, Eddie Howe now only a point or so above where we are. You could argue that we could have been two, four points better off. If, if certain games played out a bit different, different than they did, or a millimetre um, difference existed. So I think, uh, you know, the, the signs are there, that, you know, the revival, the signs are there that the green shoots are going to happen. Um, but yeah, this, this is going to be an interesting season, but just have a bit of faith, you know, trust, trust us when we're at our lowest, because we've got the right manager. We're going to have rough points with this squad, but, you know, we're going to get to where we need to be eventually. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Um, so, Obviously, Patterson, uh, I mentioned tonight that he, he may have limped off. I don't want to go too much into it because I don't want to kind of over-speculate it. Um, but Seamus Coleman, uh, obviously back fit now. Um, he's, he, people use it this word too often, club legends, but I think he's a, he's been a fantastic servant of Everton, hasn't he, Seamus Coleman? You know, I think it's fair to say, you know, what a professional, 60 grand, as the song says. Um Helga, you know, I know, I know you're good friends with, with Joe um, from the Irish Toffees and, you know, I know Joe speaks really highly of him as well. Um, would you would you eventually look to keep Seamus Coleman within the club? Um, obviously, I think it's fair to say that that, that that might have been a criticism at times, but we've began to start recruiting outside as well. You know, a lot of Welsh FA representatives have come in. Felwell's brought a lot of staff in elsewhere. But, you know, I think you've got to get a balance. You've still got to have your Leighton Baines, maybe your Seamus Coleman's. You've still got to have that element of someone who knows the club as well, haven't you? Yeah, you have to. And and, and the likes of Seamus Coleman don't come around too often as well. So to keep him as, at the club, uh, it just got to happen in one way, shape or form. Uh, we need to keep him for all costs because he, imagine what he can he can learn the, the younger players coming through in an academy and, and stuff like that. It's it's uh, that that knowledge can't be bought anywhere. Agreed. Um, and we talked about um, leadership, Jeff, before. Obviously, he's not on the pitch at the moment. Um, do you think he's out there, given you know that leadership element in the dressing room and and maybe the training pitch? And and is there real importance in that as well? Yeah, and I think uh, we've obviously seen how much Frank Lampard values him and, and values his president his presence not just on the pitch, but uh, but in the dressing room as well. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just, he's invaluable uh, for this, for this club and what he's brought. And we, we talk about the leadership of Cody and Tarkovsky. These guys just got here. Seamus Coleman's been doing this. He's been doing that for years and, and he continued to do it during very, very difficult times. He's, he's been through everything at this club, a lot of ups and, and more downs, but yet showed up every day and and gave it his all and just pushed his teammates and 
and uh, if if he ever retires, leaves, I'll miss that. I'll miss that expression on his face in the tunnel, because his expression in the tunnel is different than everyone else's expression in the tunnel. He, it's just different. It's this is a guy who's ready to go out and win a football match. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to have him and. Um, I mean, side note, and, and this seemed like it happened overnight with the guys we brought in, but all of a sudden we have a fairly decent bench, right? Mm. We've got guys that are going to be coming back to Corey's back. We've got Alan, Mina back, eventually Godfrey back. Um, Calvert-Lewin, Holgate. Calvert-Lewin, Holgate. Um, we've got... Uh, uh, Andres side- Townsend. Andres Townsend, that's another... Um, so we go from having a bunch of, you know, we've got two goalkeepers on the bench or whatever, you know, as bad as it was there at one point. And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden we've got, we've got more depth than we know what to do with, but so that's a good, that's a good thing. Hope obviously nothing is serious with Nathan Patterson because he's been, he has been fantastic. So somewhere running down the right wing. Uh, as Barry Williams uh, got that little chant going and uh, it carries on. Uh, so it goes on, Barry, for that one. Um, but yeah, no, I think you, you raise a good point. You know, it's it's always a testament to the recruitment when when actually the first choice midfielders last season would have been probably Alan and Takure. Um, now you look at the, the midfield now, uh, they're not in the first three, they, they get the name on the sheet. You then look at the, you know, James Garner. Um, Takure's probably fifth, Davies sixth, Alan seventh or whatever. Uh, so all, all of a sudden that midfield's totally turned around. Um, Helgs, obviously it's 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 uh, Europe, it's oh, sorry international break at the moment. Uh, we all get bored, um, but I think that you won't be so bored because all of a sudden Norway have got a, an unbelievable player. Um, the oh. Premier League is starting to, to get to know. Um, which is is a chap called Harland. He's doing terrifically well. It's really upsetting our neighbours at the moment. Um, and at the moment, he, I don't think he'll get there, but he's, you know, so I say this and touch wood, he doesn't get there, but he's, he's on course at the moment for getting close to Dixie's records. He won't get there. No one ever will. You know, Dixie Dean's a legend. But, <laughs> no, but you must be incredibly proud to see this player, you know, Norwegian player, probably one of the best out there at the moment uh, in terms of good young players. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable to see him, and uh, I'm 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 so delighted he signed for Man City and not for for the neighbors because then I had to start disliking him, you know. It's uh, it's uh, it's Holland fever fever all over Norway at the moment, and it's uh, it's uh, right too because what a player he is. Uh, we, we we've been following him for some years over here uh, when he played in Norway, and he went to Austria and, and stuff like that, and he, he we've seen him that this could be a player. And uh, I've always said that, it, that the Premier League would be perfect for him because he's got the physicality and, 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 the, and the speed and, yeah, almost a complete player. Come and, on, uh, own up. Uh, have you had him in a factory somewhere, um, like Universal Soldier, creating this player? <laughs> or is, is he actually genuinely a real person? <laughs> he's a real person, though. Uh, now he's, he's he's a fantastic player, and uh, I'm looking really looking forward to to follow his journey because you you know what you've got your hands on on something special, you know. Uh, and with uh, with him and with Odegaard now doing well doing well in, in Arsenal as well. So look, it's looking good for Norway. Um, we might actually see a championship now, uh, whether it be the European Championships or we might qualify for the World Cup as well. So but that's going to be interesting to see. No, it's you know I think um, I think it goes without saying that we're talking in terms of numbers. I think he's outdone Messi and Ronaldo at the same age. Um, I never had a doubt. Um, I was laughing my head off when when they were comparing him to Darwin Nunes pre-season. Uh, it was almost yeah. laughable. Um, it was desperation personified. Um, but you know I think we're seeing a player here. I, mean, I think he was twenty million cheaper as well. Yeah. 20 million cheap. Yeah, I think it was 50 odds, wasn't he? And Nunes yeah. was, was 75 rising. So, look, yeah. you know, I think we've got a player in the Premier League who's a special player. Enjoy him. Um, I know that I went out my way to watch Lionel Messi 
Um, quite lucky, my uncle who's over in the States was over t- um, to watch Liverpool, uh, the other side, but he took me to see uh, United versus Barcelona in hospitality and I got to see Messi. Uh, I was quite good because Phil Jones elbowed him in the in, in the face in the first five minutes and he was crap that day. Uh, but either way, <laughs> I can say that I've seen Lionel Messi. Um, but, you know, I think he's a special player. You know, he's a player that, that that's valued. Um, Jeff, you know, over in the States, is, is he getting the coverage over there as well? Are you, is the hype getting pushed around, around the whole world in terms of this player at all? Well, I think I think the hype is worldwide for this player. Um, you know, it's fun. Did you see that? You've probably seen the Rocky movie where he fights the Russian. Holland reminds me of the, of the Russian. And I picture him just, you know, you know, he's doing his training and all of this high-tech equipment in there, you know, all the, the high-tech nutrition and, you know, genetic engineering, but, uh, but no, he's just a, he's just a, a human being. He's just a, he's, a, he's an amazing footballer. He's got all the, all the physical skills. He's got all the intangibles. Um, I followed Dortmund off and on over the years and enjoy watching them, uh, especially when they play at home. So, uh, you know, I had a, ch- a chance to watch, you know, enjoy watching him when he was there, but, um, I don't know if, if Zlatan is a self-professed god. What is how? <laughs> I, I, I think that's the best. Uh, to be fair, I think um, I think the best uh, comparison is probably Zlatan or yeah. or certainly Ronaldo. You know, in terms of physicality and height and, and builds, his uh, runs almost. Um, weird, isn't it? It's like a, it reminds you of the T one thousand in Terminator that you remember him when he used to run with his hands by his sides. But that, that's just... how we run. That's how we run in Norway. So <laughs> <laughs> like how you run to the bar, Helga, when it's uh... yeah. <laughs> coming through. <laughs> no, he's like a he's like a locomotive. You know, he's like a, yeah, it's like he's, a he's... freight train with the ball. It's just he it's... could literally literally run through a brick wall. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, yeah. he's something special, and uh, and what's <clears throat> what's also special about him is, is the the speed he's got for being a, a big guy. You know, uh, it's something you don't see every day. So uh, so that makes him very unpredictable at, at times as well. So I think it's 10, 10, 11 league goals already. Um, yeah. It's incredible, really. You know, it's debut yeah, season. It it's fantastic, uh, and probably to be fair, since Aguero left, it was it's probably what City were missing. Uh, they yeah. were missing that, you know, that, that person's put the ball in the net. Um, Jeff, uh, I've got a long-standing pursuit to find Everton, a, a USA player. Um, obviously, a long-standing relationship with with, with, with um, United States of America. And some of my favourite players over the years have been from the States. And I was always close to Landon Donovan didn't sign. I, uh, Brian McBride, I wanted to stay a bit longer. Um, the States are starting to look okay, aren't they? Sounds like a good side, in fact, and you know, a, a side that actually can probably stand their own against most teams. Who, who, who out there can we look? You know, is there any players out there standing out that we can we can finally realise which is dream to, to get a USA player for the uh, the Everton side? Well, I think there's a there's a couple at Leeds, unfortunately, but uh, um, but yeah, it's 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 a really good young uh, squad that was kind of built from from the ground up. Um, extremely disappointing not qualifying for uh, the World Cup uh, the last time around. Uh, so a lot of tension, attention put on the uh, on the program, um, on the manager. Um, there's a lot, a lot of Americans still not sold on on Greg Berhalter, but uh, but there's some quality there, and you know, obviously Pulisic, but uh, but Love, uh, Gio Reyna. And, and there's, there's just a core and they're just, they're, ex, they're extremely, extremely young. So very high ceiling for this team. And uh, we're excited to see them uh, play in November. Um, I know in Cincinnati, there's a lot planned closing streets and pubs already lined up for big all day parties and it should be good. And we're in the same group as, as our, our, our friends from England. So uh so yeah, it, it's exciting. I think everyone's excited. Obviously, we've had so much success here with uh, the women's team over the years, and uh, women's football here is is massive from the youth level on up. And uh, so now, I think uh, you know the men doing well and 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 doing well at the World Cup can only can only help the game overall. Yeah, quite right as well, Jeff. Obviously, you know my uncle is a. Uh... 
is heavily involved in in, in the uh, the women's side of football in, in America over to Michigan as well. So you know he's been telling me for many years that that will catch on over over in in the UK and. I think we're starting to see that. I know you're a big fan of, of the uh, the FC women's side there as well, Jeff. It's a it's a thing that you regularly mention, isn't it? And push and, and champion. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's it's really encouraging to see uh, the uh, particularly coming off uh, the Euros, but I think even leading up to that, how perceptions in England are starting to are starting to shift in terms of women's football. Uh, at the youth level and, and on up. And, and I think that's a good thing. I was not aware of, of kind of the history behind that uh, and, uh, and kind of the struggles that, uh, you know, that women had in, in, uh, in playing football and uh, developing as football players and having those opportunities. And so it's, it's nice to see, awesome to, at the Euros, to see the stadium filled, uh, to, to watch, uh, uh, the lionesses play. We're, we're used to that here. Our, when, when the women show up, when the U.S. women's national team shows up anywhere, it's they're 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 borderline rock stars. The stadiums are full, and there's tons of energy uh, wherever they go. So it's really good to see. And uh, as you know, big supporter of uh, of Everton women and that program and uh, you know, a few difficult seasons, a lot of changes with the managers and a lot of changes in personnel, but. Um, hope that the club continues to support them. Uh, I know I will. Um, and uh, yeah, so I wish them a lot of success this season. Uh, tough one, no opening loss to West Ham, but uh, but there's some potential there and uh, I'm excited to watch them play this season. Definitely. Uh, we've had Izzy Christiansen on, on a podcast, uh, one of the Bobblers, Mikey. Uh, he's good friends with Izzy through, through uh, his, his fiance. Uh, so yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Helga, um, what's the women's football out like in, in Norway? You know, is a lot of exposure there. Um, you know, have you been catching a lot of the football out there? So I know you were you were quite keen to get to one of the women's games while while you were in um, Liverpool when you're on your your, your annual AGM. Yeah, yeah um, the no, women's football in Norway has always been strong. Uh, at one point, I think it was the it was uh, the Americans and the Norwegians who were the probably the two best teams in the world. So the women's football has been been big in Norway for, for quite some time now. And, uh, and um, we, we, we won some Olympics and, and I think we have a world championship as well. And now we got we, we probably have one of the best players in the world in Arda Hegerberg. So 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 yeah, the women's football is, is massive in Norway. And, and Everton only, only signed Elisa Stenevik as well, which came from, she came from Sweden, but she's Norwegian. So. A good thing. So we've got the Swedish pipeline with Everton women. So we need the Norwegian pipeline. So work, yeah, work, we, on, we, work on that, Helga. <laughs> yeah, we will. And we had Ingrid move all playing uh, two mm-hmm. years, but she retired. And uh, but now we got a new Norwegian back in there. So so uh, hopefully she'll she'll do well. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to get Izzy on again, Jeff, and we'll we'll get you on with Izzy as well. I know you're there. Quite keen to yeah, met her uh, met her briefly in March, and uh, I know uh, Hannah Benison came over and uh, had a long conversation with uh, with the Swedish group uh, that night at Walden Hall Park. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was a good it was a good time. Fantastic. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't join them there to, to the women's game because we had uh, had to organize the Winslow to be ready. But uh, otherwise, we would have gone as well because uh, a women's game is a is a must must get to one. Well, interestingly, what I want to talk to you about um, something that, that it, it kind of organically builds on that, uh, bizarrely. Um, last time you were here, Helg, um, I've got a good friend on the Bobblers, Tony Bradshaw. He's a shareholder in Everton, uh, obviously uh, heavily involved in a marine football club as well. Um, you know, he's very passionate, uh, Mariner, um, and, and obviously got a season ticket in Everton. Um, and he was very concerned today messaging me talking about some changes that are being flagged up in, in English football obviously for anyone that, that watches the the FA Cup the beauty of the FA Cup is anyone can come up against anyone you know it's this kind of David versus Goliath uh, syndrome um, which it, 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 it's what makes it beautiful you know it, anyone that, that the school watching the English game is in love with the FA Cup and Marine 
uh, was was a bit of a story uh, a couple of years back, where, where obviously in COVID, which was a shame that they played uh, Spurs, which we totally unheard of. You know, a lot of my friends used to play for Marina, played on on their grounds a couple of times growing up. But, you know, I, I grew up in Crosby, um, but they were side probably like most non-league sides that were suffering uh, with with not having fans in the grounds. Uh, you know, they'd rely on the match day may re- uh, match day revenue. Uh, non-league sides uh, and the FA Cup became a revenue to, to redemption. An actual, you know, fact they, they've used that money to to reinvest it and to to, to build on what they've got already. Um, but the, the the news today is that, that certain sides are, are looking to get away. You know, change the cups, maybe maybe not put um, their sides in the cups or not have replays or only play the under twenty ones. Um, I think it's more important now than ever um, that we protect that. Um, and where I was going with this, Helg, because I know quite a lot of your Norwegian toffees turned up at the Marine game, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Tony told me he had a, a picture of a few of them. Uh, did you organise that on? And I believe they were they were knocking a fair few pints down at Marine and Crosby. Yeah, they were. Yeah. No, I wasn't organising that. Uh, they managed that themselves. But uh, but uh, Norway is a football-mad country. And uh, whenever people get over... Uh, if they've gone to watch Everton or something, they 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 always see what, what other games can I go to, you know, whether it's been Marine or, or, or even Man City, you know. They only stay away from Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, and and Jeff, I've been promising to drag you to a Marine game as well, haven't I? But it, you know, it is yeah. important, isn't it? You know, and we looked at the Super League. Obviously, you know, there was the, the Tracy Crouch report on the back of that. But we're seeing changes happening to the game at the moment. You know, the five subs rule, uh, it was knocked back and then all of a sudden it's brought in. Uh, the profit and sustainability stuff, I appreciate why that's there because we don't want sides overspending and, you know, Berry FC, class, you know, a, a, a real traditional side going out to business. Um, but do we have to be really careful with this, Jeff? Is it starting to tiptoe into to lands that are we consulting our fans on, on this, this kind of stuff? And, and we say us, I mean the Premier League. Yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I've, I've fallen in love with English football and, you know, I say a lot that I'd rather watch, um, I'd rather watch Coventry and whoever than, than watch, you know, Chelsea play United. Um, that's just, that's the beauty of English football is the community clubs, generations of fans have supported these clubs, um, you've got a century and a half of history and it's all over the country. And, you know, you meet people when you go over who on the weekends, they hop on a train and they go to match, they go to a different match every weekend. You can, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what division doesn't matter where it is. And that's what we have to protect. And I understand that there's a hierarchy in football. Now we all know that money television uh, there, there's a lot of money to be had which is why we see a lot of my fellow Americans investing so heavily in this game. But what they're investing in means a ton to so many people. It's important. It's, it's critical for, for these towns, for these communities, uh, for these people that are struggling in so many other aspects of their life, but they have football. And that has to be protected. It has to be protected. And, you know, today, if I'm reading into, um, you know, the prime minister's words, it's, well, okay, football, just, you just govern yourself. That's, that's dangerous. We can't let that happen. This game is too important to too many people. Totally agree, uh, Jeff. And, you know, it's, it's refreshing to, to hear you say that, you know, as a, I think there's a difference, you know, I think people, you know, start to see, uh, you know, United States um, investment and then they start to see a fan from the States. But I know, you, you, as you know, lots of fans from the States and, and they're no different than me, Helga, uh, Barry Williams down, down the road. You know, it's you, you understand football, um, you know, it's different from people like, you know, I think Ryan Reynolds actually maybe compounds and Ted Lasso compound this kind of, 
thing with with it's not it's not real really you know it's 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 fantasy and i know ryan Reynolds invested but um you know i think like yourself jeff you've been coming here for you know understanding football and bonding with football for many years and, and you understand it at a deeper level so maybe some of these investors are just looking at the pound signs uh but you know the actual american fans out there everyone i speak to you know that they, they understand it that the, the shoulders to shoulder with the local lads understanding that 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 you know we need to to preserve football in, in a way that it is um and carry on in the same way but there's a lot of american fans who you know are pushing for the football pyramid that that you have in england to be adopted um in american in american soccer um so that you can have that same you know the, those same different levels of of development that structure um, you know, I've always said that's not going to work here because of our sports economic system is so much different. It's driven by television. It's driven by stadium ticket revenue. It's, it's, there are only certain markets that are ever going to survive with major league sports. Um, the top flight clubs are only going to be in certain towns. There aren't going to be any Southamptons over here. Um, but conversely, the danger is you have people from here investing heavily in that pyramid in England. Well, what are, what are their plans? How, how are they trying to, to change that? How are they trying to impact that? Um, and and I, I don't, I, it's, it's dangerous. I don't, try, I don't trust it because it's, it's, it's a for-profit um, journey that they're on and how's that going to impact the sport? There just, there has to be a way for, a, there has to be watch, there has to be watchdogs to make sure that what's being done is being done right. And it's being done for what's best for all of English football and not just a few clubs. Which is it's totally different than, than sometimes the narratives that you hear online. Um, you know, it's interesting that I listen to you speak, Jeff, and, and actually, you know that that you know you've got your concerns as well. Um, you know, I know that already because I know you personally. Um, you know, but most people look at it and think, oh yeah, you know, all Americans want to Americanize British football. Actually, you're different. You understand British football. You've been there. You've experienced it. You understand it. You love it. Um, you know, and and maybe some of these people who, who are looking to to cash in on it don't. They haven't been through that same journey connection. Uh, that you've gotten and and Jeff, you know, I think uh, it's fair to say as well, um, you know, over the years, yeah, you, you've been embraced, haven't you, by by Blues? You know, you're part of the the wider family, as Helga is. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from in the world. You know, if you're an Evertonian, you get it. You know, there's a different level of understanding, um, and, and that's part of being a Blue. Um, so I think that rounds it up, really. Um, other than the fact that obviously our, our next game is Southampton, uh, and, and I think it's going to actually solidify my points. Um, Hellcat, do you change the side from from the side that plays if if Patterson is fit? No. Jeff, <laughs> do you change the side from what we played last game if Patterson is fit? I think I get I get DCO in there. If he's fit, um, other other than that, I I, I don't change, um, and I'm still kind of thinking. I I, I, mean, I brought this up on Twitter recently, um, and we probably won't have a time for it here. But just thinking about ways that we can play DCL and Malpay together, how that how that impacts the midfield, how that maybe weakens us in other areas, but also what potential exists there so it's no, probably a let's have a look at that a bit before we finish um no. what's your view on that jeff go on well i've just been kind of trying to get other people's opinions on that um i, I see dcl being more of a uh, he's going to receive the service he's, he's good in the air he he's going to put himself in position um, and then he's gonna he, he's gonna depend on somebody else to get a good ball in. Whereas Malpe is the he's the aggressor, he's the presser, he's 
Um, and, and he's a guy who can, who can kind of disrupt things and, and maybe open up some things for, for DCL. But if you play both of those guys, then you're sacrificing. There's a residual effect to that. So then do we weaken, do we weaken the midfield then if we, if we try to, and, and do you even want to upset the apple cart, but you do need at some point to find enough playing time for both of these guys. If you have both of them fit, both of these guys need to, they need to play. Uh, I'm actually in agreement with you actually with that, Jeff. Um, and I'll come on to that very shortly. And I, I, I've got a bit of a, 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 well, I've been thinking about this quite deep. Um, but I think there's, there's definitely a way we can get Mope in as well. Uh, Helgs, um, what about yourself, Mace? Um it's a hard one to, to, to change, but we we obviously need goals as well. You know, obviously the, we've got to get a bounce of both. We've got to get the you know the side that doesn't concede many, and also a side that can score maybe two and three goals, not just one. Yeah, uh, and and I, I I'm I'm one of the guys who see uh, Cameron Lewin as at his best when he's, he's got somebody besides him. You know, because when he when he's alone, uh, he he can at times be very alone up there. So, so I, I think he, he's better when he, he's got somebody be, uh, beside him. So, so that's one of the biggest arguments for me to play them both. Yeah, fantastic, and I, I totally agree. I, it, I think we get too narrow-minded sometimes in thinking like formations. So, you know, it's we we say like it's got to be four-three-three. Uh, we know that it, it's not that case. You know, it, I think in games formations change. We have a formation on the ball. That probably changes off the ball, you know, and all the, all the fluctuations happen in between. You know, if you, if you think back to the days of of uh, Martinez, um, he played um, Stephen Naismith at times against Arsenal, and he almost went central and marked Arteta out the game when he was a deep line midfield. And the days where Lukaku was playing off the right wing, uh, there's lots of ways you can play it, but I think that the Mope reminds you a bit of Stephen Naismith. You know, I think he's a busy player. I think he's a player that can play on the left, maybe. Uh, Brighton, the way they settle, they tend to to look to use the forwards to bring the midfielders in. Uh, if you look at Welbeck's creation stats, they're quite high, simply because the ask of Brighton is is that actually the the forward role is more about bringing midfielders into the game than them actually scoring themselves. So I think. I, I never really got carried away about looking at his stats before he turned up to us, even though they were there or there about Richardson anyway. I started to think if he comes to us, then actually he might exceed what he scored before because we might give him a slightly different role. Um, and you see that instinctive finish the other day, bit of space, you know, bang, 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 straight in the top, you know, the bottom corner. I think we've seen a player there who's an instinctive finisher, uh, who's a clever player, he's a bit of a snide. Uh, so yeah, no, I think you could easily play him in, in probably either a maybe we could flux to a four three one two as opposed to uh, as opposed to a four three three. Uh with Gordon maybe dropping inside and Mope and, and Cavalier not on attack and then maybe Mope flux out to the left, Gordon goes out to the right or grey, whichever way you do it, in defence and they double up either wise. Um I think there's plenty of ways you can do it. You know, I think that, that with that, you know, Cavalier is quite a clever player. Mope is not soft at all. He's done that that role for the team at Brighton. Um, you know, I think, you know, you could easily get them players into a side. Uh, you wouldn't want to do it against, say, for example, one of the top six sides. But, you know, if you're playing someone at home, then play them off the left, you know. Look at, uh, um, well, Naismith against Chelsea, for example, the hat-trick coming off the left. Uh, you know, the, you know, the Admiral doesn't say the favourite the bench and he decides to put Naismith there and, you know, he ends up getting the hat-trick. So I think Mopay might be one of them players anyway. So anyway, I'll I, I keep uh, Jeff and, and, and Helga on all night if, if I carry on. So thank you for your time, boys, uh, as always, mate. And uh, Helga, there's great one, debut. The, the, well, thank you. And there's one thing we have to do, though, before we sign off. Of course. We've spoken about Joe today, but uh, it's his beautiful wife, the former Irish supermodel, Donna. It's her birthday today. Certainly ah. is. Certainly is. I'll let you do the toast, Helga. Happy birthday, Donna. Happy birthday, Donna Riley. <laughs> Happy birthday. And quite rightly so. Great Thank people. You. Yeah, they're great people. Yeah. Very good people and prop, prop, proper blues as well. 
Um, so thank you for listening, as always. Um, back next week. And uh, enjoy the international break. <laughs>